Come on. Welcome to Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Hallie Krause. Hallie, are you ready to do this? I sure am, George. Excellent. Let's 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 go. Hallie is a CFP. She is a CRPC and a financial advisor with the Humphreys Group. I'm excited to have you on. Hallie, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. All right. Thank you so much for having me on, George. Um, I live in San Francisco with my husband and our dog, Sadie. We were one of the many people who adopted a dog during the pandemic, and that was one of the best decisions we've made. <laughs> she's, um, she's a lot of fun. Um, on the professional side, um, I've been in the financial services industry for about six years. And I've been with the Humphreys Group since 2017, where I work as a financial planner. And the Humphreys Group is a fee-only firm. We've been around since 1983. We were founded by Henrietta Humphreys, who was actually one of the um, first, part of the first wave of fee-only financial planners. And um, we provide comprehensive financial planning alongside integrated ongoing portfolio management. Um, We also happen to be a women-owned and operated firm our team is, uh, we have a small team of five people. All of us are women, and um, about 70% of our clients are women. So um, in terms of why I do what I do, you know, in our role as wealth managers, we have a few different goals. Um, we first want to foster more authentic conversations about money and break the taboo about talking about money with um, you know, friends and family members. So um, we're always, always working with our clients and, and yeah, just trying to normalize money conversations. Um, we also want to show our clients, especially our women clients, the, the ways that they are already smart about money in an effort to build their competence and their strength um, and, and build um, you know, a, a stronger foundation in terms of helping them make money decisions. And lastly, we have always placed a priority on helping our clients uncover their values in an effort to help them eventually align their money with their values. And lately, that has meant educating our clients about ESG investing and, and acting as a champion for ESG investing within the industry. So lots of different goals, but, um, it's, it's a great firm to work for, um, and I've really found uh, found my home at the Humphreys Group. Awesome. Well, I I, I, I love it. Um, as I was preparing for our conversation today, I saw that y'all do uh, conversation circles around money, and I thought, well, that sounds like a really, really cool thing, and certainly in service of what you're trying to, to accomplish by normalizing money conversations and helping people to, to, to get around that sort of third rail mentality of talking about it and recognizing that we all struggle, but we're probably better with money than we think we are. Were you able to keep those going during the pandemic? We sure were. I'm so glad we were. Um, yeah, so for context, we, um, before the pandemic, hosted quarterly conversation circles. And the goal is, again, 
um, in, ter- in an effort to break the taboo around money conversations. We would gather usually um, eight to 12 women, some of them clients, some friends, some friends of clients, and um, each conversation circle had a topic. Um, one of our most, uh, like it's just for, uh, to give you a good sense of some of our past topics, um, money talk with loved ones, one of our most um, popular uh, conversation circles is fiscal and equals, talking about relationships when talking about the dynamics of a relationship when you're on very different financial footings with, with someone else, um, giving with gladness, you know, philanthropic um, giving and the, all the emotions that come along with that. Um, we've talked about um, resilience, um, which has been pretty relevant in the last year. Yeah. And, you know, both financial and emotional resilience. Um, so anyways, each, each conversation circle has a topic. It's fairly structured, but um, we have some exercises throughout the circle, but then there's always an opportunity for a group share. Women can um, participate as, as much or as little as they like. Um, and it's really, really powerful. And when the pandemic hit, obviously we couldn't gather, but we started, we figured out how to do it virtually. And we, we tweaked a couple things to make it a little bit, um, to tailor it to our virtual world, but we found that they were equally powerful, even though it was through a screen. I think some women felt in a way safer to be a little bit more vulnerable and honest because they were in the comfort of their own home. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we were able to invite clients and friends and family who don't live in the Bay Area, um, which was fantastic to give them that opportunity and to still include them in them. So, um, you know, we're talking about going back to the office this summer and we are really looking forward to doing our in-person circles again, but we will still continue doing virtual circles as well because it was a huge success and, and a really pleasant surprise. Yeah, I think that that's really, really cool. I, I, I love everything about it and I'm really glad and not necessarily surprised to hear, especially when you sort of describe it, how I can see people being maybe even more comfortable being virtual because they are just in their own space and they've got all their stuff and, and, and everything else. So I think that that's great. Mm-hmm. Talking about values and thinking about one of those circles, talking about fiscal, uh, fiscal and, and equals, I think is the term that you used. Um, fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably a fairly common thing if we're talking about a couple that one um, makes more money than the other. Um, and probably, and I'll just ask a question at some point here, Hallie, um, that that people place a lot of their worth in, in how much money they make or they don't. So I imagine that that's an, a really, really valuable conversation. Yes, it absolutely is. I think for, I think a lot of the time the partner or the friend, the person in that relationship who has fewer resources, um, I think they are, they feel, yeah, like devalued. They don't feel like they're bringing as much to the table. 
And a lot of times the person who has more resources is trying to kind of flatten their or diminish, you know, their power or their influence um, or their status. And I think by just acknowledging, just acknowledging that dynamic um, is, it can be really hard, but that's really the first step in, and um, just, you know, saying, yeah, naming it and, and acknowledging the, the kind of power dynamic. And we talk a lot about building common ground as well. And, um, you know, there's still, despite that power differential, there's still probably, you're in a relationship with that person for a reason, right? You still have tons of common values, as you alluded to. So focusing on that common ground rather than, you know, the external, the status or the, you know, external, uh, uh, you know, influences that are contributing to that power dynamic is, is really key. And acknowledging what that, um, what the person with fewer resources, acknowledging the things that they do bring to the table that aren't necessarily financial or tangible. I think that's really important. I can't really think of too many things more important uh, just just from the outside looking in and thinking about it. I mean, it's awesome to be able to help people get their investments set up, and that's extremely important and valuable. But to be able to get that out in the open and to acknowledge it if there is an issue, and there's probably some issue with, 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 with something that everybody has, I mean, what a what an incredibly powerful and impactful and helpful thing that – not only gets them set up from a financial standpoint, but also probably strengthens their relationship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So in sort of going down the, 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 the road of values, you talked about ESG, um, which it feels like it's really impact investing and ESG investing is, is, beginning to come to the tips of, 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 of everybody's tongue and now that people are aware of it, <laughs> they're they're a lot more interested in it. How, how how have you seen the progression of it? Yeah, it's been a really fascinating evolution. You know, it's to people who are in the industry, um, ESG investing, which stands for environmental, social and governance investing it probably isn't a new concept to people within the industry. It's been around for a while, but I think the reason it's kind of a hot topic right now is for a few different, well, there are a few different reasons. One of them is that we now have a pretty good track record of how these funds have performed over time and their performance is impressive and their performance, a lot of times they um, are, their performance is better than more conventional mutual funds. And they're beating their benchmarks. Um, 80% of ESG mutual funds and ETFs are beating their benchmarks right now. And I think another, the other main reason that we're seeing so many people talk about it is because of the pandemic, actually. You know, the yeah, last year really brought to the fore you know, you have no, you had no shortage of causes to support last year, right? Right. <laughs> and I think, I think, and we were all sitting at home and trying to do as much good we could without, you know, endangering our livelihoods. And a lot of times that means opening your wallet and and saying, you know, how can I, how can I make a difference with the resources that I have? 
And there are tons of different ways that you can make a difference with your money. You can you know, donate to charities directly. You can get political donations. You can participate in lending circles. But ESG investing is also a very accessible way to, to do good with your money. And um, yeah, yeah, it inflows into mutual funds last ESG mutual funds last year were at, at an all-time high. I think in the first half of 2020, there were more flows into ESG funds than there were in all of 2019. So um, yeah, we're really at um, an inflection point and and that are really um, uh, I think the, the world is really understanding, how important it is to align your money with your values and, and how easy it is to do through these ESG funds. Nice. So, and this is maybe a, a question which is too inside baseball. Um, I have to imagine <laughs> that there's probably a lot of financial companies out there that are like, oh, we need to do something about this ESG thing, and so they just all of a sudden throw an ESG label on a fund, which is fine. I, I, I appreciate that more so than not trying to do anything. But then I also imagine that there's mm-hmm. probably a whole new industry of companies that are probably just devoted specifically to this kind of investing. Um, can you comment on that at all? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's, there is some question about quote-unquote greenwashing, mm. And, you know, are they just uh, kind of seizing an opportunity and saying that this is a green fund because, yeah, they want they want more investors in the fund. And um, the truth is that I I have seen just based on on the way that we've seen the the um, field evolve and our close work with a lot of mutual fund companies who are playing in this ESG space is that. There's often, of, of course, there there may be some funds that are that are slapping ESG on their uh, the name of their fund and and not um, you know not doing much work other than that. But more often than not, there is so much research and so much dialogue behind the scenes that are that's happening um, uh, when it when it comes to these funds. Um, what's most interesting to me is that. And what really gets me excited about ESG investing is that mutual fund companies aren't just being selective about which companies they invest in. They're also exerting, honestly, some pretty overt pressure on the companies that they hold to have them adopt more equitable and sustainable practices. And so I think if you were to look under the hood of some of these mutual fund companies, it would become fairly clear to you pretty early on as to which ones are, you know, really doing the work and really um, kind of behind the scenes, um, uh, you know, making a big difference on on the and and exerting pressure on on the private sector versus the ones that are just, you know, um, a little bit more slightly more selective about about the companies they invest in. Um, one of my favorite examples of this, just to really fully comprehend what I'm talking about is um, Parnassus, which is a a San Francisco-based firm. They were one of the first players in the world of ESG investing. And back in 2013, they voted in support of a resolution 
that called on this company called Mandela's, which it's a company that owns snack brands like Oreo and mm. Ritz and Cadbury. Um, you know, they have um, these annual shareholder resolutions and starting in 2013, Parnassus supported this resolution that told Mandela's to improve its packaging waste. And over the next five years, they also directly engaged with its head of sustainability and corporate security about how to do this. And they kind of acted as a liaison between the research on packaging waste and, you know, the environmental research that's out there. Um, they kind of brought that research to the executive team. And by 2018, Mandela's announced that all of the company's paper packaging would be sustainably sourced by 2020. So they did that just within two years. And all of its packaging is gonna be recyclable by 2025. So this is just one story, but this happens all the time. And I think, um, again, not to say that there aren't funds out there who are a little disingenuous, but more often than not, mutual fund companies are, are actually creating real change behind the scenes that because they have more clout than, than an individual investor like you or me. I think that's awesome. It's super exciting. What a what a great story about Parnassus and um, now I'm not going to remember Mondelay. Oh, is it is it Mondelay? No, oh, it's not. I, 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 nope, no, no, I, 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 you're you're 100 okay. right. I just forgot okay. what the name of it was. Okay, yeah, I think it's Mondelez. That M O N D E L E Z. But you, you, you are right. Well, yeah, what an awesome story and what an opportunity um, for companies like this to actually. Uh, start enacting real change, and there's no reason to think that 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 they won't. And I think making it an economic issue more than a political issue is is because people will vote with their dollars, for lack of a better term. But that's awesome. That's 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 it's mm-hmm. a great story, and it's exciting. Yeah. Well, Hallie, and I, I oh, will add to. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. One one thing I will add is that. Mutual fund companies know that individual investors want them to continue to participate in this kind of engagement. So right now, I think about 63% of ESG mutual fund companies do engage in this way. Um, but that number is going to keep growing because it really is exciting to to the investment industry and, and the investment community. <clears throat> I love it. Good things to come. Well, Hallie, mm-hmm. the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? All right. So um, my tip is probably not particularly original or revolutionary to your listeners because you talk so much about um, identifying your values and living your values. But what I suggest is, um, part- is especially if ESG investing is of interest to you, is to uh, do a values exercise. And it's pretty easy. You can Google values exercises online um, and uh, you'll, you'll find this exercise pretty quickly. But um, there are these exercises out there that will list, for example, like 100 values for you to choose from and then have you narrow it down to 30 to 10 to five, you know, narrow it down to your core values. And I think, you know, I'm not someone who off the top of my head would have been able a couple years ago to tell you my top five core values, right? It's, it's hard to just to kind of come up with it, especially 
um, especially quickly, especially if you haven't given it much thought. But um, so I, this is really helpful for me in, in um, being given kind of a breadth of uh, tons of different options of, of exercises and, uh, of, excuse me, of values to choose from and seeing which ones resonate with me. And, and I was able to narrow it down kind of just on a gut level. And so when you're, we're talking about aligning your money with your values, it helps to first know what your values are. And by doing something, a simple exercise like that, I think that's a great first step. Well, I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets, come on, come on. Couldn't agree more. It took me forever to do that. <laughs> Hallie, I feel like that's like a goal setting that we all know that we're supposed to be doing it, but so few of us actually have. And I was guilty of that forever. And the same thing goes with values. And it's one of those things you only have to do it. If, if you only did it once, it would serve you for the rest of your life because you would know. And that helps to inform so many aspects mm-hmm. of, of, of your life. So, well, Hallie, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you? Um, the best place to visit is our website, um, www.humphreysgroup.com. And there are tons of resources there. We wrote a four-part blog series on ESG investing. So if you're interested in reading that, you can click on the resources tab on the left-hand side of our website and then search ESG. Um, you can also download a free ebook that, that um, Diane Bordeaux, the president of my firm, and I wrote together, and that's called Rewriting the Rules, Telling Truths About Women and Money. Um, our website has links to all of our social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And um, Diane was on, the president of my firm was on uh, Lifeblood, I think back in July 2020. So they can also look back in your archive and, and uh, hear from her directly. I love it. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Hallie your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to HumphreysGroup.com. That's H-U-M-P-H-R-I-E-S group.com and check out all the great resources, pick up the ebook, and find them on social media. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Hallie. Thank you so much, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. <laughs>